Or we can clap. Who wants to give who the clap? I'm not giving anybody the clap or receiving the clap from anybody. I will perform a clap so that we can sync the audio. But to perform a clap is to become the clap. No, no. give it towards an audio phone. Sure not. Sure not. (laughs) Two totally unrelated things. Okay. Let's just clap together. We can pass the clap together. Why don't we do a little restart with a little less chaos? What do you think? We can do that, sure. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Steve. Hi, Mike. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> Hi. We're not. This is the second time. We're yeah, yeah. The first take. Yeah, we only ever do one take. Uh, first take. Yeah. First take. First take wonders. <laughs> I wish that's how my entire acting career went, but it's or failing acting career, but it's fine. Well, how about that uh, Q3 in Silverstone? As a quick aside. Oh. Pretty, Both of our boys got in there. Uh, yeah, pretty exciting. Uh, you know, I might have to ditch Alpine for McLaren. I don't know. Things are changing. It's not what we thought it was going to be with just Aston Martin running a train on everybody for their, well, the midfield anyway. Yeah, as, a, as like our little sidebar F1 geek out. Absolutely. I've been loving all the development war that's happening because it, it, it is expanding the midfield now. It's not just... Uh, Ferrari, Aston Martin, it's like Mercedes is definitely back and fighting. Uh, McLaren is up there now with these new developments. And I mean, and there was a few hints out there that saying, you know, they were the most directly influenced by the Red Bull concept. So technically their ceiling is guaranteed to be higher than everyone else's, according to people who are just going by how much spec was taken from the Red Bull design. Mm -hmm. So arguably this is that coming to fruition. We'll see. I mean, you know, one lap pace is one thing versus race pace. So we'll see. I'm excited for tomorrow. This is this yeah. is this is the development of the season has been really interesting. I'm excited. But Mike, we are not an F1 podcast. We're a video game podcast. What video game are we talking about today? This week, I am super excited about this cuz I think this game is brilliant. We are talking about The Last of Us fantastic game with arguably probably the best tv show slash movie adaptation ever yes yes but we'll get into why are because you and i have the same you said it the last time we talked about it but i completely agree with your theory but i mean i'm also just excited about this because i'm you know we yet again we have this beautiful coming at it from two different aspects because you played this game when it first came out Mm -hmm. and i just played this game and i can't tell you how i guess i wasn't in the right mindset and i'm happy i waited but my god this was a brilliant 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 gaming experience great story great gaming experience great characters great mechanics just well done naughty dog well done i'm happy i didn't wait because having that in the context of when it came out i think is I, I don't know, I guess as a 
lifetime gamer was a, a, an important experience to have. Sure. And that in that time, for me personally, you know, I'm not saying everybody needs to play amazing games right when they come out. It's it's not possible for everyone, and you know, there's tons that I've missed, but I, I'm glad I got The Last of Us when when it came out. Well, you know, it's it's good that you said that because uh, part of the reason I didn't get into Last of Us was the same reason I didn't get into trying to what other uh, actually I know just the last of us was I didn't I was an Xbox guy I was completely an Xbox guy so the last of us was a PlayStation exclusive so I had to miss that train altogether and right now I I, I don't have a next-gen console I don't have a good PC so I'm missing bam this game that game this game that game like Starfield's coming out soon and Bethesda's my favorite developer and I I'm gonna be a year and a half potentially two years behind I, I, it's going to be really hard for me to not day one Starfield, but I, I, I got, I've learned my lesson because of Cyberpunk. I gotta wait probably a couple weeks, and then that'll yes. also give me time to hopefully burn through Sea of Stars, which comes out like a week before, and I'm super excited about. And I've also heard of Sea of Stars, and that I think will be available on Switch. Yeah, it's going to be on everything, and Switch is the yes. one I got it for. Uh, it comes out August 29th. The ironic part is I'm not going to have it August 29th, even though I was one of the uh, like pre-order Kickstarter people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the digital code comes out on August 29th, but then the physical copy, which I wanted for this, is going to be probably like a week or two later. And then uh, our you know our friend Corbin, I gave him the digital. I'm going to give him the digital code so that he doesn't have to spend 80 bucks because he also wants to really play that game. And then I'll just wait for the physical Switch one to show up. Corbin, eh? Corbin. Yeah. Corbin got the digital code, eh? Yeah. Not, not this guy. Not the guy you share podcasts with. No, I'm joking. I'm <laughs> it's the first time I've ever heard you express jealous. any interest in that game. Yeah, I know. You guys are, you guys, are, that is more your genre of gaming. But, you know, it's funny because we, this little tangent is because we know Starfield is going to be bug ridden, right? Riddled with bugs. <laughs> and Witcher, yeah. the first game we talked about was not riddled but it had a lot of bugs in the beginning some people have argued it was riddled with bugs Mm -hmm. but last of us is the first game i think we talked to that came out and it was just polished it was a pretty darn good shape there was a couple patches uh but nothing major i mean that was definitely a game you could play from start to finish without any sort of goofiness i mean me personally when it comes to bugs for the most part, I don't really ever experience them. I think I've had maybe sure. like one or two like really bad bug experiences, but generally like play the game and everything seems fine. And whenever people are complaining about, oh, there's this bug and that bug and this game is unplayable. Like, I don't know what they're doing when they're playing that causes these <laughs> things that I'm not doing. It's just weird. And that's like console, PC, whatever. I feel like they go out of their way to do things that are gonna break the game, and they're like, "Oh my god, this thing's a freaking mess!" It's like, what? Like, how? Like, what did you do? <laughs> you know? Well, it's like that complaint of like, "Excuse me, I was trying to break the game, and I broke the game." So the I so the game's broken. Yeah, so it's, well, a, it's no, a piece of crap. Man. Like, no. Uh, well, but Steve, mm-hmm. last week I talked about the developers of Star Renegades. This week, why don't you give us a little? little background on the developers of last of us who are not a naughty dog yeah so a little tidbit that came out of this that i was really surprised and had no idea was that uh naughty dog made the first four crash bandicoot games 
I had no idea. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. So they before they were Naughty Dog, they were a studio called Jam Software that uh, was founded in 1984. They made like three or four games for Apple computers. And then it wasn't until September 9th, uh, 1989, that they became Naughty Dog. Uh, they made uh, one game for the Sega Genesis called Rings of Power. And they made one for the 3DO, which was a console made by Electronic Arts, funnily enough, called Way of the Warrior. And then they wanted to make a, a platforming game, which they did on the PlayStation, which we know as Crash Bandicoot in 1996. I had no idea that they made Crash Bandicoot. I thought that was another company entirely. I couldn't tell you who, but I didn't know it was Naughty Dog. So that blew my mind. No, not only that, I've never, you just busted out like three things I didn't know. A that this AAA developer, I guess, has been around since 1989. B, they made Crash Bandicoot. C, what the heck is the 3DO? That is a crazy thing I've never even heard of. It's a console that, like, three of them sold. <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry about it. You know, it, it's, it's no, a, not an important thing. Yeah, not an important thing. Uh, you haven't heard of it probably for good reason. So they made uh, Crash Bandicoot in 96. A year later, Crash Bandicoot 2. A year after that, Crash Bandicoot Warped. And then they did Crash Team Racing in 1999. And then they switched to a new IP uh, created by them, which was Jack and Daxter. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but... Oh, I know that one. Oh, yeah. Still platformer, but it's a you know, cartoon platformer with guns, uh, which was competing with uh, Insomniac at the time with the Ratchet and Clank series. Two very similar types of things, especially the first ones, like, you know, jokey, cartoony jumping around whatever good sense of humor or silly sense of humor i'd say and maybe not yeah. good all the time and you're shooting things uh i was very much a crash ba uh, not a crash bandicoot fan sorry a ratchet and clank guy i was playing those games a lot more but because of that direct competition with insomniac uh, they tried to pivot to a much more serious tone so jack 2 which came out in 2003 got a lot darker it was like gritty you know came like the batman of the cartoon action jumpy <laughs> platformer and i think they softened up a bit in in the third one which was in 2004 did another racing game for that series in 2005 and then in 2007 is when they start making uncharted so yeah still kind of you could almost argue it's an action platformer but um you know more less emphasis on the platforming it's more about like you know climbing and set pieces more focus on the shooting but definitely you know has your favorite uh of, symptom of the, the marvel world which is the quippiness like nathan drake the main character is very quippy yeah but not but not everyone is quippy. <laughs> not everyone but that was my quippy. complaint I know, everyone's I know, I know, quippy I know. but nathan that's a perfect example of when quippiness works when you have a singular character that's leading the way and the other characters are justifying and not justifying but just balancing his tone or their tone sure yeah i think you got yeah. what's the old guy's name sam uh, kind of gruff, you know, a veteran of treasure hunting and been in some wars. But anyway, the, you know, they went from this cartoony style to more realistic. Everyone was very unsure at the time, but, you know, Uncharted's done great. They've made four of them. The uh, first one came out yeah. in 2007. Yeah. They, they made three Uncharted games before they got to The Last of Us. So it was the first Uncharted in 07, Uncharted 2 in 2009, Uncharted 3 in 2011. And then also in 2011, they announced The Last of Us which ended up releasing in 2013 for the PlayStation well, you know, in, 3. 
And I remember, you know, the way I was introduced to the studio, I guess, was through Crash Bandicoot, unknowingly mm-hmm. now. But uh, I remember even when Uncharted 1 came out, I was in first year university, and I was already behind the the ball. Like, I was, I was, I think I played it in 2008, 2009, so I was two years behind. But I remember playing it, and I was like, wow, no game really plays like this. Like, there were games for Xbox coming from that console. For example... Uh, Splinter Cell, which used the the wall stick maneuver and the stealth mechanics, and there were games that were floating around that region. And then you know me, I'm a big uh, Bioware fan, so that was 2007, 2008 was my golden era of Dragon Age Origins and Mass Effect One. Mm-hmm. But uh, Uncharted, I remember playing, and it was this very cinematic gameplay experience that was really pushing the envelope. Mm-hmm. So I mean. I'm very happy they moved away from that basic platforming thing because they changed the game. In a lot of ways, they did change the game. Yeah, I mean, you had, uh, like, God of War uh, sort of leading that charge, I think, and I think a lot of people saw that and how successful it was. I mean, that's a lot more action-heavy and focused than, I'd say, Uncharted is. I mean, it's just nonstop combat, but it was a very cinematic game. Uh, and, And... I think the success of that gave people the confidence to do more and also you know sony to cash some checks and be like oh yeah 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 look you know do this yeah for sure you want to make a game like god of war go nuts i'm not trying to say uncharted is like god of war outside of the the cinematic quality of it sure but you know i it was the splash definitely came from God of War and Uncharted because I remember around that era everyone was talking about those games. Again, I was on the Xbox camp. I was in the Xbox camp, so everyone was still talking about what was at the time, Halo Three or something around that era. Uh, so, or even Halo Two around that era. No, Halo Three. Halo Three. Because I remember in first year university, Halo Three. Yeah, came out around Halo Two was still high school for us, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're old men. <laughs> but no, 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 but th- that splash. But then suddenly there was a far bigger splash. And I remember everyone around me in the gaming community talking about Last of Us when it came out. Mm-hmm. Everyone was buzzing about this game. Everyone. Yeah. Because it did. With good it reason. It raised what they were already doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say like the, the reason, you know, I was saying I'm happy I played it when it came out because contextually for... A, ooh. Stomach's making some fun noises there. Oh, oh my. Oh, my. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, I don't think any game had been this heavily narratively focused or character driven. I'm sure there's something, but this is the one that got the most attention and and rightfully so. I mean, you could you could probably talk about some of the Metal Gear Solid games being so narrative and uh, character driven, but I mean everything in a Hideo Kojima game is turned up to 14 on the wackiness meter. Yeah. So it's not exactly uh, palatable to everyone, but this was like an HBO show that you could interact with. Yeah. Coming out in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that was, you know, so even now in, in 2023, I guess 10 years down the road, cause we're coming up, like I'm hoping you know, it, we're, we're recording this before, but, you know, hopefully we will be releasing this right on time for the 10th anniversary. And I, I still felt that same caliber of gameplay. Like, this was competing with 
games that I've experienced in the 10 year gap. This was, wow, this wowed me. This wowed me like it was a brand new IP. Were you playing the remaster or the original? Remaster. Ah, okay. So there's a, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, the quality of life and, and visual improvements that have been added. Uh, sure. I mean, but even when it first came out, I mean, it was, it was good. Uh, I'd say the, even the original still kind of holds up there. There's maybe like a little bit of controller clunkiness, uh, but still look good. I'd say they still yeah. hold up. It just, yeah. it's not going to have that like crazy freak, you know, HDR lighting and 4k textures, but sure. you don't need that for a game to look good. Like a good visual style will persist throughout well like we'll maintain its its visual quality throughout the years even if the technology wasn't there you know what i mean 100 percent, 100 percent. but i mean at the time so like right transitioning into this what was your immediate impression like when you turn this game on what struck you as this game is different or this game is making me feel something i haven't felt before what was your initial impression uh, I think once you get through the intro of that game, which in the show they yeah. they stretch out, right? Uh, it takes a lot yeah. longer in the show. You get to spend more time with uh, Joel's daughter than you do in the game. But yeah. it was just how serious things got so fast. And it was yeah. just like, oh, like, okay, this is the tone that they're setting and... and this is how hard, like emotionally, you're gonna get hit throughout this game. Like, oh man, okay, I yeah. was not prepared for that at all. You know, I was just expecting like going into it. I was expecting Uncharted with zombies. This is not what the Last okay. of Us is. That is not the Last of Us. No, it is us. not. No, no, no. Because I mean, even for me, I remember. You know, I I stopped and started this game many times over because I would always get to a point in the game which is. Pittsburgh and it's just it gets the combat is definitely the human on human combat is at its highest point in that game in Pittsburgh uh, and I just got to the same part that kept stopping me which is right as you're about when you first hand Elliot gun and you teach her how to shoot a rifle mm -hmm. um, that kept stopping me but I remember playing through that intro and it is definitely amongst my top three it is amongst my top three intros of all time. I was teary-eyed. Mm -hmm. I was legitimately crying. I was so gut-wrenched that I had to put down the controller, and I wasn't sure if I could keep playing that day. Rough. Well, yeah, it hits hard, man. They don't pull any punches in that intro. They did not pull any punches. But even beyond intro, you know, you get through the intro. What did at the time compared again i know i'm asking you to like look back 10 years ago and just be it's like all right. i remember i remember everything from 10 years ago of course of i course, do of course my memory is perfect I, I, there hasn't been drinking and time and decay and no, other memories no. that have filled that void at all it's not like i can't remember what i had for breakfast i could definitely remember what i had 10 years ago of course i remember what i had for breakfast 10 years ago. <laughs> no no but compared to other games what was the the feeling after that intro what stuck out to you? Haven't I already answered that? It was just like the the tone of the game, that the fact that this this isn't you're not you're you you're introduced to Joel, you know, whatever what is it, twenty years later. Yeah, you're not yeah. some squeaky clean 
you know, superhero that's gonna save the world. Like this guy, yeah, he's broken. He doesn't give a shit about anything other than just yeah. you know what's best for him and to a certain degree, Tess. You know, I don't think he yeah. like loves Tess, but he's the person that's partnered up with him, and to a certain degree, I'm sure he would rather her be there than not. But yeah. if it's going to come down to him or Tess, he's going to pick himself for sure. It's not like he's going to do something selfless. Like you're, you're, the guy you play is an asshole because he's broken yeah. from the the world ending and he, him is it losing his daughter. Yeah. Well, and so story wise, The Last of Us is pretty much that. It is about the day society pretty much gets broken up by what is the name cephalop not cephalopods. I'm thinking that's uh, Arrival. What is the name of the the mushroom strand of disease? What is that called? Well, it's a they just call it a fungal infection, but you're thinking about like the mycelial network. Yeah, the mycelial network, but they they really lean into it more in the show where they actually name drop the the mushroom strand or the fungal strand that starts infecting humans. But the the game starts on where a fungal disease is spreading its network throughout the human race it is just spreading like wildfire and society's collapsing and a father is forced to try and save his daughter from from the chaos and in the process loses her and becomes broken 20 years later you see society completely broken uh divided amongst what you could call a terrorist group uh called the fireflies that on the other side of the fence you could also call them freedom fighters trying to preserve some sort of free will and choice for society versus this very active military organization, uh, which I don't remember the name of exactly, uh, but this military group, and they're trying to say law and order is the only thing keeping this fungal disease that is now spread rampant across the world from encroaching in on what's left of humanity. Yeah, And along the way, you have... On these little cities, like they have all these little cities that have been created, they're all walled off, and it's only their law and order and their way or the highway, which they enforce really brutally, that's keeping those cities safe. Yes, yes, and it is a very authoritarian law and order kind of society, so it's very freedom fighters or military. You have no two choices. In the middle of this, you have this arguably sort of black market dealer that Joel has become. He's a guy who can get things from outside the wall or get things outside the wall. And oftentimes uh, he's willing to kill anyone and anything along the way to get his jobber's contract done. Cause all he cares about, like Steve set up now that his daughter's dead 20 years later is him and his partner, his other shady partner named Tess. Mm-hmm. And the two of them are known for being ruthlessly efficient at getting everything done. And in the middle of all this, you, stumble onto the leader of the fireflies while trying to get vengeance on a let's call them a another guy that screwed them on a deal just a, yeah a third party yeah a third party that screwed them on a deal they're chasing that they're going after him because they roughed up tess and you know uh balked on the deal or whatever the reneged on the deal the roughed up Tess. so joel gets pissed and he's like okay well we're gonna go find this guy and you know we'll deal with him and then they stumble onto the Fireflies and Ellie. And Ellie. And they still stumble onto the leader of the Fireflies who is going out of her way to save this girl that is somehow immune to the disease. The only person that is. 
She can breathe in the spores where everyone else has to wear masks. The entire zones and entire buildings are sometimes throughout the game cut off because they are spore infested. And all it takes is one spore for you to become another mindless mushroom zombie. That's what I'll call them from here on out, mushroom sure. zombies. Uh, and Or B, you get bit. And she can be bit, and she has been bit and not infected. And she can breathe in these spores, no problem. You find that out very, very, very early on that she is immune. That it, there's a number of situations, not just from combat situations you get into where she's rebit and suddenly bleeding and she's not getting diseased. But uh, C, she's in areas where you're forced to wear a gas mask and she's just breathing normally. No big deal. Hey, another day. But that doesn't happen right away. You don't know that she's no. immune until you know, a few hours later through your playthrough. Yeah. 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 Not that far. Not that far. Within the first hour you meet her for sure. You're finding out that out. Okay. I'll have to, yeah. again, I'll have to defer to you on the time, but it's not right away. It's not like you run into Marlene, the leader of the Fireflies. She's like, hey, take this immune kid. Like, no, <laughs> no, you don't know. The only reason Joel, Joel and Tess say yes is because they want their guns back, which the Fireflies have. Yeah. They, they make a deal for stuff. Yeah. 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 And that's the story of The Last of Us. Good podcast, Steve. All right. See, see you, you later, week. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess, how do you think, I, I, how do you feel about the beginning of the game versus the beginning of the show? Well, for starters, like I said, they really play up the, the, sim, the, importance of the mushroom strain earlier on so for example something is happening in the society in the game you know it's it's far more a human drama about a father getting his daughter out and there's a few clues if you stop and watch the tv or you turn on the radio you'll hear this and that but it's not as focused on as in the show that actually starts off with an interview from someone from uh who's an expert on this who is arguing that, hey, this will be the first thing that destroys society. They really hammer on the focus. Um, the beginning of the show, you know, they milk the drama and it's good and it hits you. But, you know, throughout, I'm just going to make this blanket statement now, not just even dividing the show and the game. I, I had the rare treat where I wasn't divided by time like you were. You know, you had a few years before the show coming out and the game. <laughs> I had a decade, was, basically. <laughs> You had a decade. Yeah. So for you, it was like this fresh, like, oh, wow, they're doing a great job. I'm remembering things about this, but I'm playing the game, uh, you know, tit for tat or on par for what's going on in the show. Like, I would stop the show just to make sure I wasn't getting ahead of the game, just to mm. make sure there wasn't things being revealed. And I have to say this. The game is so cinematic, so well done, so story-driven that I really feel the show was so well done, yes, but... It's impossible to capture that magic, that level of magic. The show is a brilliant, one of the best stories I've ever seen in a video game. So even from the first moment, everything is just so much more hard hitting in, in the game versus this, this is the film. It still is hard hit, hitting in the show, but it's just so much more hard hitting. It's hard not to just feel diminished returns compared to what the game's giving you. I think that, which like you pointed out, the diminished return is partially due to the fact that you had both experiences at the same time yeah uh part of it is also i mean with the the game i mean you are joel to a certain degree yeah. and you're interacting with it and there's much more time for in the game for them to have 
all of these little interactions that there's not time for in the show. So sure. from that regard, like you're going to get more attached to Joel. You're going to get more attached to Ellie. I think you're even more invested in their journey uh, than you are in the show. And that's fine. I mean, that's just the nature of the medium. I mean, I think what the average runtime for a Last of Us playthrough is like 20 hours. Yeah, 20, 26 hours. Yeah, like that so was the at a minimum, double the runtime of the show. 100%. So, you know, if you want to equate that to double the character development, well, yeah, it's going to make more sense that the, the game it will have done, you know, a better job, is, as you said. Yeah, yeah. No, no, but on that note, the the job the show did, did was brilliant. Like I, I like you said at the beginning of this, this is one of the best adaptations I've ever seen. Up until going into The Last of Us, I thought, why the hell does anybody waste their time even trying to do a video game adaptation? Because no one can do it. Oh, yeah. Halo was a mess. Uh, everything I've seen before was a mess. All the Resident uh, Evil movies, <laughs> disasters. Like, disasters. There's been a lot of poop outside of uh, Mortal Kombat. First Mortal Kombat movie Mortal was the best. Mortal Kombat, and I actually like the Warcraft movie. I think it would give the Warcraft movie like a four out of ten. I'd give it a seven. I'd give it a seven. That high, eh? I know. That I high. know. It's crazy because good actors, I thought they did a good job blending and containing everything. Anyways, we're not talking about that, but outside of those... You can argue for your us, adaptation. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. But, like, but The Last of Us hit it out of the park, mm -hmm. and it's because, Steven... <laughs> the writer was involved. Except That's what happens when the writer stays on board. Well, That's what writers do. Well, Mike, here, here's something counter to your point. You know, in the Star Renegades episode, you were saying you could tell when a programmer becomes a writer. But Neil Druckmann's job prior to writing was a programmer. He was a, he was a, he was a developer. That's fine. That's fine. But he's also a great writer. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and that shows because... He, he put so much thought into, and you know, and that's the thing when you have a linear game like this, where it, it, there is a bit of a space you can explore to find more uh, bits to improve your gear or more clues that tell you about the world. But it really is a linear story. And when you can keep it in that box, there are mandatory beats you have to hit. You know, The Witcher, you can, do, you can change things up. Star Renegades, it's a totally different kind of game. Mm -hmm. But in a linear game like this, not open world, you're very much you're at the mercy of the writer and the writer has a lot of freedom to do whatever he wants with your experience yep yep but i mean that's also it's like a comparing a choose your own adventure book to uh, you know a fully fleshed out narrative sorry i forgot to mute yeah. that yeah how dare you how dare you let the outside world come into this private, beautiful moment we're sharing with all of these 12 people listening to this. Yeah, audience. I let our six listeners down with that uh, cell phone beep. I apologize to our friends. We love you, six listeners. We love you. You're number one and number two and number three and number four, all one in six. Are you high right now? What the hell is that? I should have been. I should have been for this episode. It probably would have made more sense. Okay. I shouldn't have been. So I have, to, I have a follow-up question, though, to the show versus the game okay so they did a really great job with the show mm -hmm. right and in some ways they expanded upon things that they didn't give us in the game i think yes. we have we you know we got more of an answer about ellie's mom 
in the show. Yeah. We got much more of a detailed, plausible explanation for what's what caused everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, was it Bill and Frank? We got a whole thing on an episode on their relationship, which was great, beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. But essentially, we got the same story, right? For all intents and purposes, we got the same story. Yes. So, if at the end of the day, we've just gotten the same thing, was it even necessary? So, I'll speak from my experience playing one-to-one, like episode to, to, to beat through the game. I thought what they did was actually, and I'll use this word liberally, brilliant, because I'm sure it's not brilliant in my... But, what they did was brilliant because I, I actually didn't feel like I was watching the same story. Yes, a lot of the major beats were there, but there was enough variation and enough uh, subplot written in and, and expanded upon and stuff you didn't get to see in other people's lives that I truly did feel like I had a, a, a really beneficial compendium that gave me more of the story. Hmm. And I feel the same How way. I was feel? just wondering if you felt the same. Because I, well, I, like, I think... What was, I just I, I think there is an argument to be made of again yeah we got some blanks filled in uh, mm-hmm. and you know learn more about some people that we were just sort of afterthoughts but with the you know ABCD structure of it being basically the same like was it necessary for me I loved it I yeah from you know I hope we get a second season which I'm pretty sure we are and it was enjoyable but is that really like an adaptation or are you just taking what was already there and putting it on TV, you know? I mean, if the answer is just money at the end of all, all of this, somebody <laughs> wanted to make money, but uh, the less no, no, pessimistic honestly, answer. No, I know. I know. But well, a, I, 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 I do think on one side, you're right. What's the point? Why can't people just get into gaming if they want to experience this narrative? But B, there's an argument saying that this story in its own right is so good from front to back, you know, to that last moment where Joel lies to Ellie and that's how the show and the film and the game end. Um, you know, that is such a good story that there's the argument after 10 years, why wouldn't we want to reach that to a bigger audience? There are people out there who still aren't don't want a game. So how can we get to them? Well, the only way we can get to them is if we give them this voyeuristic we're not engaged whatsoever. We're purely watching from behind the screen. We're not even getting our hands on it at all. Journey. Sure. Although video, the video game industry is now bigger and has been for a few years than TV and movies combined. Oh, I agree. I'm happy about that. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm, exci- I'm excited about that. I guess but... more audience is more audience for sure. But I just want to point yeah. that out. Well, I mean, what's what's your... A, so here, I'll give you two I'll give you two questions without keep going to A and my B questions. But what was your what was your feelings ten years out? And then also what are your thoughts on what you just asked? What what do you mean by the first question? What are my thoughts ten years out? Well, what was when you first sat down, you watched this first episode, mm-hmm. you know, did you have to take a second to say this wasn't exactly like the game, but it was close enough? Am I enjoying it more? What was your initial impression of the show? My initial impression, I, I tried not to overanalyze it when I was watching it. Uh, there's definitely stuff where I was like, oh, you know, I remember that from the game or whatever. But I, I just thought 
throughout the entirety of the series is like they did a great job uh and i'm so happy that more people get to experience this story that like crushed my soul 10 years ago yeah. uh, left me depressed or whatever you however you want to put it so i'm i'm glad that more people got to experience it and potentially maybe go and try a video game because of it because i for a really long time people have this opinion that video games just i don't know what it's just call of duty or there's no art to it there's no beauty or narrative it's like well no, hold on this beautiful story that you just watched came from a video game and i hope that encourages more people to sort of search that out okay what else is there to offer in video games the only i mean just and just to finish off the answer to your question mm -hmm. the only the only i guess negative thing that i really thought about the show was because we you know dedicated a whole episode to bill and frank or to I don't remember what they called Pittsburgh, like what that town was in the show, because I, I don't think it was. Kansas City. Kansas City. Kansas City. You know, we did like two episodes in Kansas City, I think. Mm -hmm. The rest of it felt rushed to a certain degree mm -hmm. to me. I don't feel like we got the development at the, the, the correct pace for Joel and Ellie. In the game, it's very gradual. Joel becoming less of a dickhead towards her and in general softening starting to care for her and then seeing her as his surrogate daughter is much more gradual and i, I found it more impactful as a result because it just kind of felt more natural whereas in the show it's like yeah they say a couple lines in the car and then he's like oh i, I love this kid she's the best <laughs> yeah you know yeah and, no I, I i i agree and, and bella ramsey did it amazing as ellie Pedro, you know, I think I can do no wrong for me at this point. He's Mando, he's Joel, like, he's the best. So, I, you know, I, I clearly over-exaggerate how quickly they developed their relationship in the show, but compared to the game, it's very fast. Very fast. Yeah, and Pedro can do no wrong, because he was also the Viper. Uh, he's also the lead of Narcos. Like, I, that man is... Yeah. He's the, the all-actor. The all-actor. The all he's the... Hollywood it man it seems like right now and I, that's great if you, if you if you need to play a stoic character that is taking care of somebody look no further than Pedro Pesco <laughs> <laughs> you know but you're right in saying that it did deter time away from some of the main narrative which I didn't understand why it was only nine episodes because you could have added an episode and you could have for example spend more time with David in the cannibal community or the unknowing cannibal community uh, you could have though because part of that game but I, I do understand why they spend two episodes in Kansas City because in the game itself Pittsburgh is the longest part of the game as well that's part of the reason I always stopped there was because it felt like is there a beyond Pittsburgh it, it never felt like I could reach that bridge you get to Pittsburgh and they say we need to reach that bridge and this bridge is just keeps getting further and further and further and more guys just keep showing up and you just and at some point, uh, the question was asked, I kept asking myself, how much more of this can I do? I don't want to keep fighting humans. I want to get to some, you know, some more mushroom zombie fights. I want to get to new beats. Like, get me out of this damn city. And and you, I did, you do get out of it, but I had a tough time where I kept stopping at that one part, like I said, with the rifle where they hop over the fence and then there's this really 
really, really big battle. Probably the biggest human battle in the whole game, at least one set piece. Uh, and Pittsburgh just keeps going after that. It just keeps going and going and going and going. I don't remember be- Pittsburgh being that long. It has been 10 years. Yeah. You know, I can remember showing up in Pittsburgh, you get ambushed, the car gets wrecked, uh, yep. you know, trying to get away at first. There's the sniper part with uh, that you mentioned where Joel teaches Ellie how to use the rifle and you're trying to get around. Beyond that, I don't remember anything else. Well, okay, then there's Henry and his brother. Yeah. Uh, sneaking around with them, getting separated, rejoining the brothers. Wow, I guess Pittsburgh was freaking long. Yeah, it is. Now that I'm saying it out so, loud, yeah. There's way more. So you missed a couple things. So you get ambushed, and then in the ambush, then you have to, like, you and Ellie have to scavenge around a bunch of their area first. Mm-hmm. Then you then you have uh, a lot, a lot of fighting to get to the uh, the sniper part. Then even more, more, more fighting before you ever get to Henry. And then you get Henry, and then Henry screws you over, and then you you catch up to Henry. You want to kill him. And then you and Ellie have to, you split ways and you jump off the bridge. You wash up on shore. You're with them again. Then you get to the access tunnel, which they talk about in the show. Then you get to the suburbs. And then after the suburbs, you have that whole final standoff that they show in the show, which is kind of in the show. Another thing with the show, there isn't really a lot of mushroom zombie stuff. Uh, two episodes. That's it? Two episodes, yeah. That was a little disappointing. I wonder if that was a budget thing. No, it's HBO. Ah, true, yeah. So you think it was just a narrative choice? Yeah, and that's maybe where you could have filled in even more of the show. You know, wow. How are the mushroom encounters now further along the road? Because there's tons of them, even when you get to everywhere. Yeah, and in the game there's a lot more. And in the show it didn't sort of feel like this apocalyptic event, other than those two times. It was like, Yeah. yeah, you can travel through pretty easily if like you're in the countryside and there's no one around like they get to was it dc where are they going uh they get to denver first well they go to tommy's dam the the ultimate they get to denver the ultimate destination where the university Uh, is no it's it's in utah salt lake city okay so they they go like across the country pretty freaking easily in the show Mm -hmm. whereas in the game Excuse me. If you're not going up against humans, there are some solitary moments for sure. But generally, if the people are not the threat, the the fung fungus people are. Yeah, and that should have been something that continued on in the show because it did feel suddenly that they passed Kansas City and now the threat is left behind. This was an East Coast problem. Uh, you've left the East Coast. Uh, you're free. It's just humans now. Yeah. Just humans being humans. And also just beautiful countryside. Uh, there's a crash plane over there. Uh, there's a mountain over there. But uh, we're good. We're okay. Like we'll travel. <laughs> we'll travel no problem. Oh hey, look, it's Tommy, yeah, and, Joel's brother that we haven't mentioned. Like. Yeah, and and I mean they did some cool things with you know, Ellie seeing the graveyard and then doing the flashback of how they were driven out there and executed and stuff like that, but. I don't know. You did feel like they did all this work in the beginning of the show to set up the mushroom zombie threat, and then they kind of left it behind uh, right after Kansas City, and then they said, okay, 
well, we talked about it for so long. That's it. That's it. Now we can just focus on what we need to. And they had this room to really round it out with a 10-episode season, which I, as someone who just watches a lot of TV, I don't know why, but it scratches some sort of mental itch for me when I see a perfectly rounded show that's like 10, 12, or 20 episodes. I didn't get the nine. I think a lot of people were confused by that. But I don't know. So we're talking a lot about the TV show. Let's get back to the game. How do you find that it plays in 2023, 10 years later? How did it feel playing that game? Smooth as butter. Yeah. I mean, even coming off of... I'm trying to think of other games where you know there's a lot of there's a lot of interaction moments uh, that I've recently played. I mean, even the even the scenes in the recent Assassin's Creed games where you have to do a little more interacting and it's called button button interacting. Um, it just it was it was miles ahead. It feels like all these games over the past ten years have been living in how kinetic and immersive. Naughty Dog's video game experience they created in 2013 was because truly not not even the games I've played in the last 10 years have been able to satiate what I experienced coming out of The Last of Us. I mean, I came out of this game saying I just played a top five game of all time. Sure. And I, 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 and I played that in 2023. And I still think games now are emulating it. I mean, there's... Yeah. Like the more, I guess we'll call it realistic feel to it. There's that crafting system to some degree that every game has to have now. And this whole thing of the game, like you having a a narrative partner, I've lost track of how many times we've seen it now. And, you know, the the biggest example of it is the God of War and God of War Ragnarok. You know, you have Kratos and his son the whole time. They're together pretty much. I haven't played Ragnarok yet, so I don't know. Maybe there's separated at some point, Mm -hmm. but that idea of you know the entire game being an escort mission without the person you're escorting being a completely useless pain in the ass nightmare uh <laughs> it started with the last of us because before that every escort mission like anytime that would happen in a video game you lose your mind because they'd go die or they get stuck somewhere they're doing something <laughs> terrible just being so useless and just a waste of space making the mission like so much harder than it needed to be and then there was it was just there's this switch to, okay, what if you have a companion? They can never die, and they, like, help you out a bit, you know, and talk to you. It is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit better because I don't know how many times I was playing Mass Effect or Dragon Age, and I look back and, like, Liara or, I don't know, Caden, I don't remember his name, Alistair, are stuck in a corner just doing the inf- infinite loop, I can't get out, or they trap you at a doorway and you have to somehow nudge them through the door for you to get out of the door and then you're stuck in this loop where you're own you can't even move your own player out of the way and they're yeah, screwing you over you look process. you look to them to help you out in like a combat scenario and it's like up oh, they're dead again sweet all right guess i gotta do this whole thing by myself <laughs> <laughs> well you know but there are two aspects that really really impressed me and i'll start off with the first one which was uh the weapon inventory improvement system and your leveling up system. What I really enjoyed about it was I played so many games where you know you press pause, you level up, you upgrade your your gear. You even if you go to a mechanics table, uh, you go into the sub menu where things are happening. But what I loved about The Last of Us is it's all happening in real time. Mm-hmm. You for you to even heal 
for you to make a new med pack for you to heal, you have to stop, drop your pack, open it up, and guns are still going off everywhere around you. There are people coming at you every second of, of, of while you're doing it, even if you want to level up your character because you found enough medicine around. You know, you have to stop, take off your pack, slow down, and you are in a hostile situation sometimes doing this. You know, say you want your Joel to creep a little bit better and you have the 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 level up medicine because of the, these pills that you find throughout it, the bottle, the bottle of pills that you use to level up Joel. It's just cocaine. You can, but... It's just cocaine. Yeah, it's just so, cocaine. That makes so much sense. <laughs> That's why he's so much stronger suddenly. And the addiction just gets worse. No, but uh, you have to stop in the middle of these complex scenarios. You want to level up your gun or you want to create a new med pack. People are shooting you with shit left and right. There's somebody coming at you with a wooden bat. Mm -hmm. And you just have to stop your pack and you have to do it. Or there's clickers roaming around or the roamers are yeah. running like... Unless you've, you know, cleared out an area and you know you're safe, if you're going into your pack, yeah, it's always tense. There's there's always that, like, oh, crap. You know, like, I got to do it fast because something's coming. And that makes for exciting gameplay, I think. Yeah, it also ups the stakes of how you you level up what and how often you level it up because I think they really did a good job not making you a demigod of leveling up. You had to really be... They didn't give you so much you could find that you could level up everything top max and Joel is leveled up in every way by the end of the game. There's no, unless you, you search for every nook and cranny, I'm yeah. sure you could find it. And like the, but I, the only exception to, you know, the game pausing when you're doing stuff is upgrading your weapons, which is always usually in like a safe room at a workbench. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still real time. And I liked that. You know, I liked that. Sure. Uh, I like, as for, you know, Joel reaching demigod status. I I think for it to be a game, it he kind of is from the start, if you know what I mean. Like sure, and, and that's like another thing with the the game versus the show. In the game, like you are just it needs gameplay, and the gameplay in in The Last of Us is shooting things or sneaking up and shiving them or whatever. You but it's yeah. killing things. People are, or uh, f um, mushroom zombies. <laughs> In the show, Joel doesn't really kill anybody until the end, if you think about it. He doesn't really kill anybody hmm. until the end. Just that one security officer that was the guy he was dealing with back in the town. And when they... But even then, I think Tess blows his brains out. That I don't remember in the show. There's it, When they get to Kansas City in the show, he takes out, I think, the three people that ambush them. But yep. before that, he hasn't killed anybody. After that, he hasn't killed anybody until they get to the, the university where, you know, everything pops off. So it's not... It, in that sense, the TV show is more realistic because he's not this unstoppable freaking killing machine like you are in the game like in the in the game like anything that gets in your way the only solution in the game is pew, pew, pew. you kill everybody in the everybody game. everything everybody everything which will lead to our another topic in a second but mm -hmm. uh yeah but that's kind of also why i think the game and the writer did a good job changing 
the dynamic of how the audience might view Joel from the game versus the show. Mm -hmm. He does seem like less of a monster. Again, a topic we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> in the show versus the game. It, 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 in the game... I almost, like I almost feel it less because I there is that sense of okay I'm playing a game I need to be doing something this is the thing that I'm doing like you know when I'm playing a Call of Duty game I don't feel like a monster because I'm shooting people sure. you know and I think it's sure. the same applies to The Last of Us maybe less so because it is so narrative focused but in in the game they're not really making a point about the killing except for a few times I think with Ellie like the first time Ellie shoots somebody in the game has as much impact as it does on her in the show yep. I would argue her innocence is still sort of somewhat intact up until the cannibals yeah and you know and, and you really see her break in that final scene because she is the one who has to kill David the person who abducted her and that final scene when she's killing David is just so another probably the second most second or third most emotional beat for me throughout the entire show because she just keeps going and going and she's just so broken that when Joel grabs her from behind it just you know baby girl he calls her for the first for the time first and it's time, the first yeah. time you get that you get that first moment of father father daughter relationship and yeah I was I was a chord got so struck within my soul that I I another moment i had to stop for the day mm -hmm. yeah that i think david is probably the worst or not worst but the most impactful part of the series for me hands down yeah i mean for me it definitely is the loss of his original daughter i don't think i'll ever experience anything like i experienced that that first intro scene when you get to the end of it and you know you've just you've done everything to save your daughter and then all it takes is a stray bullet and she's bleeding out begging you and the performances you know i think another reason this game stood out so much in the in, in the day and age was i don't think a single game gave such focus had such a focus on the performances of the actors like these actors who performed these roles the voice actors just knocked it out of the park even the daughter who dies uh, her performance is so brilliant it, it, it just it that's what hits you it's they're allowed to actually be actors and mm -hmm. really perform they're not limited or held back in any way it's like the developers said you know what you guys act and we'll develop around you well they you know? they mocap the whole game i'm not surprised every every cutscene is the voice actors fully in mocap suits acting it out and then they use that data and, and all the, the mocap stuff to make the scenes yeah so what we saw was their performance just with cg faces but it was just so good even you know every game has a has you know a, an actor director like someone who's specifically i guess a narrative director i guess the narrative director would work with the actors mm -hmm. uh like my friend joel with uh when he was working for quantic dreams and i think even now for uh, Ubisoft working on the Assassin's Creed franchise I'm pretty sure he works with the actors one on one but um, th that the, the narrative director on that one working with those actors it's just like in film 
you need a good director to pull out a real honest performance and good on that narrative director whichever director worked with those actors you did a phenomenal job kudos because you knew how to bring them to true real emotions and not every not every narrative director knows how to do that hmm. true you know kudos good on you i don't know your name i'm sorry i don't know your name google it real quick brilliant. if you walk no no i because i don't there's a whole layer to it but i'm going to just say the other thing that i really was that captivated me with this game and it was the environments because i have played since the i'll call it the apocalyptic trend has grown you know i've played games like crisis where cities are overgrown by vegetation i've played games like fallout where apocalyptic wastelands have happened you know i've played games like multiple fallouts first off multiple fallouts you know <laughs> i i've played games like mass effect where you go to desolate alien planets that have been overgrown by vegetation and stuff in this game still when i first walked out um in boston out into that first outside the wall territory terrain i was still wowed going to Villa, bill's town i was still wowed I was still wowed by the sunsets. And I know I'm playing the HDR remaster, but I assume at the time it was equally striking. They, they did such a good job building such rich environments that I was still wowed. Yeah, it was definitely, if I'm remembering correctly, it was near the end of the PS3's life cycle when developers had really figured out how to get the most out of that console. And it, they did. You know, playing that 10 years ago, I was just like, it was wow. In the 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 faces didn't make the voice performances feel weird if you know what i mean yeah yeah i got you it, it got worked you. and it it made it made it believable it's like it's not uncanny valley like you know some hollywood <laughs> cgi where it looks sure, sure. so real but slightly off but they did a good job of really making these characters pardon me excuse me they they matched the vocal performances that they were that were given by those by those performers so it didn't detract from what you were seeing didn't detract from what you were hearing yeah and that was and you know similarly the only other game that made me feel that way which also really mastered an era of a console was ghost of tsushima because ghost of tsushima came out right at the end of the ps4 mm -hmm. era right and that also managed to master, in my opinion, a lot of the technologies that were building, 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 right? A lot of the building blocks that all the open world RPGs were using before them. But Best in Ghost of PS4 Tsushima, game, in my opinion. 100%. Yeah. 100%. But, you know, with Ghost of Tsushima, you can max out your character stats. With Joel, you still can't. And that's something I still appreciate even more, is that I really had to still think about how my guns were leveling up and everything. But So speaking of the guns... I'm curious what your thoughts are on the shooting in the game. For someone that, you know, said, oh, the, sh the shooting in Prey looks, looks, looks like crap. What's your opinion on the shooting in <laughs> The Last of Us? I liked it. I, look, th this game, to me, if, if I have a one-on-one -on -one comparison to a game that it evoked memories of, oh, my God, it feels like I'm playing this game. It wasn't even Uncharted. It was Alan Wake. And the mechanics behind this game felt very Alan Wake because I played Alan Wake when it first came out. And the mechanics of the firing system, it's very Resident Evil-esque. It's very Uncharted-esque. 
because it's the same studio, but it's also very Alan Wake-esque. So to me, it felt like an even more polished version of Alan Wake because in Alan Wake, you can't interact physically with the beatdowns like you can mm -hmm. in Last of Us. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a carryover from Uncharted for sure, is yeah. the, the physical combat. Uh, I'll probably never get tired of, you know, bricking people in The Last of Us. I just always yeah. find that freaking hilarious, as messed up as that is. But it's clunky. The, the shooting is clunky as hell. But I also think that makes sense narratively, right? It's not like you're some superhero or special ops guy or whatever that's just an ace in shooting and can headshot freaking everything. It's like, no, it, it's hard to aim and it's hard to shoot. And when you pop off a pistol, like there's a lot of recoil. And, it, you know, especially if you're just like oh, trying to do things in a hurry, it's tough. And it can sometimes get annoying to play. Like if you get stuck in a section where you're, you're, sure. you're trying to get through. But I also think narratively it makes sense. It wouldn't make sense if you were just freaking G.I. Joeing your way through this whole game. To a certain yeah, degree I mean, you are, but you know what I mean. No, but you're right. You're right. I, I I understand what you're saying because at the same time, for example, you can put all your your gears or your weapon leveling up points into say the revolver, right? And you and you get the recoil down, and you're becoming a pro with the revolver. But here's another problem: there's limited ammo everywhere, and you're not always finding the ammo you need for the guns you need. Mm -hmm. um, so suddenly you're using the the Glock or the regular pistol you have, or you're forced to use the uh, the bow and arrow, which you haven't really leveled up, and now suddenly your encounter becomes twice as hard because you become so dependent on the revolver. Yeah, that's totally. another that's another good dynamic. Totally. Sorry. I like that. I like I like that clunkiness because that clunkiness does, like you said, make make it feel human. But by the end, I do have to boast that I was getting very very good with certain weapons. Like certain weapons, it was it was almost becoming redundant that I have to use any weapon because to me. Like I said, I was building on a foundation of what I had already experienced with um, Alan Wake and what I had experienced with the Resident Evil games. So to me, it was pretty, 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 was pretty smooth transition coming from those games going to Last of Us. Okay. What's your favorite weapon in that game? Um, regular shotgun, not the mini shotgun, but the regular shotgun. Not the sawed off. What about yours? Uh, I like the I like the rifle. I was a rifle guy. You're a rifle guy, eh? Yeah. I, I just, didn't use the rifle very often. Not against the uh, mushroom people, like to forget it. But against <laughs> the humans, I feel like my strategy in the outdoor areas anyway was usually try to get a couple of them from afar, which I usually could with the rifle, and then you know find a beam. Uh, like a wooden beam, find a brick, find a bottle, get in there, you know, cause some mayhem. Wow. See, in mine, mine was more so every situation, unless the ones where they forced you to start fighting right away, stealth in, kill as many people as you can, then pull out my revolver, because that was my secondary tier item, take out as many people as I can from a distance, run in with my shotgun, take out as many people as I can, close quarters, and then try to finish everyone off with whatever melee weapons I can, or stealth everyone to the point where I only have two or three guys, and I can just melee them as much as I can because I wanted to conserve ammo. Sure. Uh, that's more my approach when I'm fighting roamers or floaters. I want, I want nothing to do with them. There was never a time <laughs> in that game... Anytime you're encountering the, the clickers, yeah. you're, you're, you're 
already in like a scary spot. And then you, mm-hmm. hear, you hear them clicking and twitching and I'm just like, I don't want to be here at all. Like, frig me. Say, like, oh, great. I only got half a shiv left. Like, I can take out one of them, <laughs> but the other one's going to scream and 30 roamers are going to show up. And it's like, oh, God, like, please let me just stealth my yeah. way out of this. Like, it was, those, those encounters are so intense every time. It never doesn't feel like you're super vulnerable. No, because they keep throwing more clickers at you deeper into the game. Instead yeah. of it just being like one or two clickers and here's 10 roamers, they're like, here's 10 clickers. And, then, and now get through this. Yeah, now get through this scenario. And then here's 10 clickers and two bloaters. I was like, oh. And I kept saving the flamethrower for when I thought like it was just going to get totally out of hand that I never ended up mm-hmm. using it. Not once? I think when I first got it, like, yeah, because yeah, there's yeah, ammo for yeah. it everywhere. But then I was like, oh, man, like, this is such a, this is really good against the fungus people. <laughs> I, I got to save it when shit really hits the fan. And then I ended up getting to the end of the game. Because you get the flamethrower pretty close, pretty near the end. I, anyway, I'd say you don't have a lot of time yeah. with it. So I was expecting another encounter that was just going to be crazy overwhelming for me. And it didn't happen. And then I was like, oh, didn't get to use the flamethrower again. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I, I, and I do have to say this, that I guess, I guess, I, I understand why the writer um, made the decision to stop dealing with the, the z- mushroom zombies in the show after a certain point, because in the game, it also does feel like, even though they're there and they're still a threat, the stakes have changed so much and you don't really get another crazy scenario like you did during some of the points like during like for example like when when you get caught in bill's snare and you're hanging upside down shooting all of them you don't get too many of those intense intense moments when you get to salt lake city by the time you get to salt lake city it's really here's a few pockets of clickers but only clickers Mm -hmm. good luck taking them out and maybe a bloater or two and you're mainly going to be dealing with humans from here on out so i do get that that ratio if you do end up playing the second one I think you'll be satisfied with... Okay. I will. Yeah. I will play the second one. I will play the second one. And, you know, and I do have to say this because I think it's about time we almost step into what I call the great debate. Because we've talked a lot about Joel killing people and I think yeah. this is going to be the big last <laughs> point for us. But one thing I do also have to commend about this game, that this is the first game I bring up to people where there's more people that know the name of the composer, Gustavo Santuallo that know his name than know anybody than even know the developer's name because so many people know about the soundtrack to this game because it became as famous as the game itself and that is good on you gustavo oh you remember you know nick my doppelganger identical twin and yeah, me yeah. and him he showed me how to play the opening to that game on bass that that guy is just like somber guitar I'm at a loss for words for it how good that guy is and his early stuff even because I I went into his catalog uh, before I even played the game I listened to all of his soundtracks I listened to his early days in early days he was very you know how am I going to blend a little bit of of atmospheric electric over a lot of really soft deep resonant thoughtful plucking on an acoustic and and that really culminated with a, a nice little tribal drum uh, score for The Last of Us. Yeah. And he did a great job. The, so yeah. Good job. 
which is good job. And I'm glad you pointed that out because I would have totally forgot about the yeah the the yeah, music throughout this game is top notch, absolutely brilliant incredible. soundtrack. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant soundtrack. Brilliant. So I but, you're you're grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> I can see it. You you want to get into this? We have to. I we do we do we have to get into the light version of it. We can't go too deep yeah. into this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because uh, because of our friend Simon, who we bring up in every single podcast, uh, we were we were having a conversation about this game and my and how well I enjoyed it, and he makes a comment at the very end of all this that to Steve and I, he said so so nonchalantly, so matter of fact, so matter of like no one would have a different like, opinion. <laughs> but to me, it was like somebody took my heart. And took a hammer to it and crushed it because it just struck me. And he said, yeah, and it's crazy how at the end of the game, you realize Joel was the monster all along. Yeah, the monster, not a monster, the, the monster. monster. Who's going to disagree? Who's, we both disagree. One of us has to be the devil's advocate here, Mike. I'll be devil's advocate. Okay. But again, to keep it light. But before you're the devil's advocate... What we're getting at is the ending of the game and the show, which is the same. You get to uh, Salt Lake City, where the university is. You brought Ellie to where the Fireflies are supposed to be, so that they can potentially use her to make a cure. You don't know what that entails. You show up. They immediately assault you both, knock you unconscious. You Joel wakes up. Ellie's nowhere to be found. They tell Joel that they've put her under, given her no choice, and that they're going to harvest her brain. Cause, or, you know, brain stem, or whatever they're going to do is going to kill her so that they can possibly, no guarantee, make a cure for the fungal infection in people. Or, you know, like a... Uh, Invent a cure. Venticure, I can't remember the other word, a vaccine, so that you can be immune to it, potentially. Joel obviously isn't very happy to hear that they're going to kill this person that he's now come to accept as his daughter. They tell him... And they gave her no choice. They gave, her, they no gave choice. her no choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm giving the... the, 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 the <laughs> I'm trying to give the, the, ver, the version of it that doesn't make it seem like we're right and Simon's wrong. You know, of course, of course. Try to give course. me the unbiased narrative here. So they knocked Ellie out because they wanted to make things easier for her. And Joel's obviously pissed because now he's just found out that they're going to kill Ellie and they're not giving him a choice. They're not giving her a choice. And they just say, okay, get Joel the hell out of here while we kill your, you know, your new daughter. Joel snaps and he kills everybody. He takes out the fireflies single-handedly in this yep. salt, in this in this university campus. Uh, kills the doctor, who's the only one that could have performed this procedure. Takes Ellie out of there. Uh, kills Marlene in the garage where there he's putting Ellie into a car, and probably one of the most savage scenes I've ever seen, because she's begging Joel not to kill him or not to kill her, and he says. Well, you know what he says. Yeah, he said he pretty much says he's like no, because then you'll come after. Yeah, her again. you just come after, her and he shoots Marlene cold blooded, and then drives away. Who is the head? Who is the leader of the fireflies? Who is the leader of the fireflies? 
driving away back to his brother's place in Washington, the town that his just called Colorado, I think. Was it? Wherever it is, I think so. so the place that his bro- yeah. the town that his brother set up, which is not militaristic. You know, Ellie wakes up. She's wondering what's going on, and he said, "Oh, you know, they have Elias." He says, "Oh, they have lots of kids over there." It turns out you're not the only one that's immune, and you know they took what they needed, and you're good. You know, Ellie's very suspicious of this, and as they're approaching the town, the, the game ends the same way as the show. You know, she says, "Tell me the truth, and I'll believe you." And he lies to her again. She says, "Okay," and cut to black. But Joel kills everyone. To save Ellie. Everyone. Kills everyone, everyone. of the Fireflies, pretty much. Uh, because he doesn't want Ellie to die. Potentially dooming the human race to forever be dealing with this fungal infection. With no hope for a cure. Or a vaccine. You, may, you know, it's funny. When we call it just a fungal infection, it sounds like, like oh, sir, here's your STI. You've slept with too many people. Yeah. Here's your pills. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, ma'am, we're gonna have to. You can't come in here today, no. sir. Uh, your fungal infection's showing right now. Ellie was the uh, only but, cure for STDs. Yeah, well, STIs. I know, I know. Let's keep it. It's been STIs for a while. Okay. That's right. But. No, but but all this to say. So now let me polish it up with the the because I'm the devil now. You are. Allow me to be the devil. I am the devil and his advocate. So Joel, this selfish individual robs the world of its vaccine, kills the resistance organization that was the only thing that was arguably fighting for freedom outside the militaristic confines of these military entities that are securing the cities, and then C, lies to the person who could change the world forever about the fact that she is the one chance humanity has just so he can keep the daughter he lost in new form. Yeah. So Selfish. Selfish from that point of view, there's no guarantee of the cure. They don't give Ellie a choice. They don't give Joel a choice. Pretty sure if they just let, had a conversation instead of knocking them out and then just being like, well, we're going to do this without your consent and you can go take a freaking hike, Joel. Like, yeah, the guy's going to snap. It's, it's, it's essentially a parent protecting their child at that point. It's not his blood child, but it's his like adopted daughter at that point. And... You know, would I do anything different? Eh, who's to say? I'm not a post-apocalyptic survivor trying to save his surrogate daughter. I don't know. I'm also not a parent. I'm a, I'm a dog dad. <laughs> no, but but even for me, I felt the same way. Like, I, without me, like, breaking the devil's advocate position for a second, like, I part of the reason I disagreed with Simon was because I also felt like you formed this bond. You've gone so far with this person. To me, there was no other choice than to murder everyone. I didn't even hesitate. I just started killing people because I said, you bastards, get the hell out of my way. What do you mean? I don't even get to say goodbye to her? You're not waking her up and having a conversation with her? Yeah, you're not going to tell her you're going to kill her? Like, you're you're just as bad as the people that you're fighting against, in my opinion. Uh, Like, I I agree. Like, do I think... Joel is a hero or a good guy? Hell no. Hell no. More so in the show, probably, because you're not literally spending 20 hours or 10 hours, I guess, in the show killing everything in your sight. Whereas in the game, it's literally (laughs) 20 to 26 hours of you killing everything. He's more of a monster in the game than he is in the show. But in that scenario, 
I don't think he's the, the, the boogeyman, as Simon called him. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, and now I'm going to put the hat back on. What else would you do? So here's the thing. Marlene knows Joel's reputation before um, giving Ellie over to, to him and Tess, right? Before she says, please take them. You're the only one who can get them out because she knows how ruthless he is. Because they even say... All multiple times throughout the game, I was a really, really bad person before we started this journey. Like, I was a terrible, terrible person to the point where my brother didn't even want to be around me anymore. I was such a bastard. Yep. So, um, at the same time, Marlene, when they get there and they get knocked out and they don't really know who they're pulling back yet and they wake up and they bring them back and Marlene's like, oh, that's that's Joel. If, if he wakes up, like, you know, good on them for restraining Joel and not giving him a choice because, to be honest, they... They know Joel's not going to back down. They know they just need to remove him out of the situation because they know what he's going to do. He's going to kill everyone. He's got a terrible reputation. He doesn't have a good reputation. He's murdered everyone. He's murdered innocent people. He's murdered fireflies. He doesn't even see the good in their cause. And to be honest, they're the only ones who are kind of looking for long-term, genuine good for reestablishing the society that maybe we knew before. In the in the situation as it's set up, yeah, of course, Joel's going to freaking lose his mind and kill everyone but from the start of the game to arriving at salt lake city i'm not going to say during salt lake city he becomes to be blunt much less of an asshole like the, the way he treats ellie from the beginning to the end is completely different the way he behaves around other people is different from the beginning to the end that he becomes more human again when he lost, uh, what was his daughter's name? Sarah? I think so. Uh, when he loses Sarah, the time from losing Sarah to when you meet him, he's dead inside. Like, the guy doesn't have a heart anymore. He, he's broken. Ellie, fix, Ellie fills that void and heals him to a certain degree. I mean, he's still... He's not a great dude. But he's a lot better, and he's softened. If they bring Joel and Ellie in there. They tell them both what's going to happen. Joel's going to freak out. He's not going to instantly kill everyone because Ellie is awake. She wanted that. She wanted to be used for the cure. She makes that very clear. She didn't know she was going to die from it, but she still wanted to be helpful in that way. That was her choice. In that moment, she can talk Joel down. 100% she can talk Joel down. You know, but that's, you know, a privileged position because I still have to defend the Fireflies and everyone along the way. All they know is Joel over the last 20 years, which is a dead inside murdering maniac. Like Simon even made the point where, you know, just to argue his point. And I mean, to Simon's point, he, he went as far as to say everyone actually just knows Joel's rolling to town and they know he's the boogeyman. So of course they're going to shoot first. No, no. Because when you get to Pittsburgh... The marauders are literally setting up an ambush so they can kill and pillage everyone who crosses through them. Yeah. Probably do even worse things to them. Maybe even can't. And like other people want to cannibalize you along the way. <laughs> I'm not about to say the boogeyman's there, so therefore we became cannibals because we were so scared to leave our little mountain range community because Joel exists. And Joel's such a crazy murderer that he might find us in the mountains, so we're not going to go out there and find other things that aren't human yeah, flesh. I, I'd say the, we're just going to eat human the flesh. only people that know about Joel and his reputation are the people in Boston and the fireflies because they have you know they're yeah, they're, they're across country absolutely. 
So they're going to be like, yeah, and Marlene knows Joel, so Marlene's going to tell people don't fuck with Joel. But it's not like, yeah, somebody in Florida is like, oh, that Joel guy, woohoo, better watch out for him. Like, they don't know who the hell he is. Did you hear about that Joel guy? Yeah, yeah I heard about that Joel guy, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's a bad guy, he's a bad guy. I heard he killed three gators barehanded. Like... <laughs> I heard he could he 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 killed sixteen clickers just with his teeth. Yeah, and then he and then he ate them. <laughs> and then he ate them. <laughs> ew, ew. Yeah. No, but I mean, like, you know, that's the extent of how far I could even take his position because I have a tough time defending it myself. Because, like, what else am I supposed to say on the other side? Um, look, at the end of the day, here's here's where the debate comes down to: Do you save the thing you love the most in this world because you are us? A person who has to live in this ego-based body, indifferent of whether we are, you believe whether we're spirits or, or souls trapped in this body that are connected to something beyond or not. You are an ego-based being and the thing you love most that has taught you to love and have hope for the life again is about to be taken away from you with no choice. Or B, do you think everyone, everyone, no matter how precious they are, are worth sacrificing for the greater good? That's a debate. Sure. Uh... I think, me personally, sacrificing Ellie for a big if, I don't know why yeah. I'm doing air quotes, for a big if, there's there's no guarantee. Nobody knows what the hell's going on or what her brain, blood, bone marrow, whatever is going to give them. Is it even something that can be replicated? Like Society has collapsed. It doesn't exist. Say they yeah. even make a cure. Okay, how are you going to mass produce it? How are you going to distribute it? Yeah. Probably you're not going to. Like One of the things that they even say, the fireflies on the way to Salt Lake City, like a huge chunk of them died. Like the, a yeah. lot of them freaking died. Just trying to get across country. So now you have this miracle cure that you're going to have to get, you know, let's say just all of the U.S. first. How many of you are going to die doing that? Fighting marauders, fighting clickers. And the the people that are infected, they're all dead. They're not, their brain is gone. So it's not a cure, it's a vaccine, right? The Ellie is immune. She still gets attacked by clickers and roamers. Yeah. Uh, the runners, whatever you want to call them. Like, they'll rip your throat out. So and they do when you play as Ellie during those few sequences where you play as Ellie. Yeah. If you die, they literally grab you by the throat and rip your yeah. throat out. You're not immune from being ripped yeah. apart. Like, okay, so what have, what have you really solved other than yeah. not having to wear a gas mask when you walk through yeah. areas with spores? It's not going to fix the world, this cure. It just makes it slightly less inconvenient. And, and I'd argue that in the game, this debate is far less clear cut to me because in the show, knowing Marlene's uh, early, early history and early experience with how Ellie was infected in the first place, kind of how she was, her mom was bit while she was still in the womb and came out and was connected to the umbilical cord. Mm -hmm. um, that to me right away would kind of be like, okay, that's a one in a million scenario. So now you have to tell me the only people you can actually vaccinate are people who are potentially in their, still in their mother's womb because there's no guarantee even people outside the womb are going to have 
the right distribution of this like is it only is it through the umbilical fluids that made such a difference was it through stem cells um, or some shit like who yeah. knows yeah who knows that's was the it about it's just it's such a massive unknown and you're gonna kill this person who is joel's entire world for all this this huge what if it's such a gamble and you don't even give them a choice you know you say that you said the fireflies know joel's reputation so they have no choice but to like react the way they did okay if you think he's a freaking murdering psychopath chain him to the bed and still have a conversation with ellie there sure sure then he can't do anything yeah. put him put him in a prison put him in a prison cell sure yeah. the stupidest thing yeah, you could have, have a... done was send him with two wet behind the ears guys and be like all right take joel out behind the city and make sure he leaves like okay dumb dumb like <laughs> yeah this is your gift for making it this far you will we won't kill you but we're gonna kill ellie yeah like i don't know I don't know. I don't know, you know. I don't know. I don't... We'll get more into this. We are going to have an episode, which is going to be our special edition for for sure the podcast. We might do a video version of it too, but uh, for sure it's going to be on the podcast. We're going to do about a 30-40 minute vi- uh, version of this where we're going to invite Simon on, who's a proponent of the of the position we're tr- struggling to argue for. Yeah, he'll argue for it about. a lot better than we will. Yeah, and it's going to be this episode's special edition. Uh, it'll come out shortly after, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't have. I don't know what else to say for the great debate. I I disagree. I I saw no choice but to kill everyone. I, I'm. Good job, Joel. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Any any last talking points you want to go through about this game before we slowly wrap here? I I don't know. I feel like with this game. We've talked less about the game itself and more so about the narrative in the show. And maybe that's okay. I, I just, it, if, if, I don't know, Mike. I don't know. I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. I don't know what well, else I'll, I would want to say. I'll say this. Well, I'll say this. Hold on a sec. I got to get a crazy. I got to get a crazy girl here. Come here. Come here, psycho. Come here. You're going on my lap. Come here. You're going on my lap for the finale. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to make an appearance. Yeah, yeah, because she's getting all restless. Oh. Um, oh, cute dog. Crazy but cute. Wow, wow. Um, but I'll say this. Um, the fact that the narrative stands out to us so much, I think, is the definitive factor of this game. I, I'm not remembering this game because it had brilliant combat, and that's all it was. I'm remembering this game because it had a brilliant story with good combat. Do you know what I mean? It had a like brilliant story combat. with decent combat and gameplay and really memorable, well-done characters. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, of course we talked about the narrative a lot because the narrative, to me, is that golden shining thing that makes The Last of Us stand out. It, it is its definitive feature that says, hey, this is why we're bringing it on All Games Go to Heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. We both loved it. We both loved playing it because it is a game. We both love the story. Uh, and it was a turning point, I think, in seeing games as more than just bleeps and bloops and pixels or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Uh, it was an important step for video games. And, you know, it's funny that we experienced it 10 years apart. Eventually, we're going to get <laughs> to a game that we've played at the same time, <laughs> you know? But uh, not this one, but uh, it, was, it was great. Uh, you know, 
well done, Naughty Dog. What a they they swung for the fences with this one and knocked it out of the park. Well done, Naughty Dog. Yeah. I guess on that note, this was episode three. That's that's yeah. Of all games, go to heaven. All right, buddy. Always a pleasure, Mikey. It's been a Olive. Great to pleasure see you. Pleasure as always. You beauty. Yeah. She was she she was patient enough, and now her reward is a nice long walk. So, uh, yeah, man. Till till next time. Till next dude, time, buddy. Always a pleasure. Take care. Buddy. This week's music is provided by the one, the only, Aaron Rastovic. Fantastic. Great game. That was a great game. One of the greats.